this is Dr. Osesa Livar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And in my podcasting life, my brief podcasting life, I've uh, encountered a, a number of wonderful people, amazing people, people doing amazing things. Uh, as I've often shared, a lot of my contacts and my guests are folks in my network. But then I always ask people that I interview, you know, to recommend others who, who would be willing to share their story. And today, today I have one of those uh, individuals. So Dr. Posada, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Well, first of all, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Saliva, for the opportunity. It's an honor to be here with you today to share my, my journey. I'm Eric Posada. I am currently sitting here in my office at Angelo State University. I'm the director of choral activities here. This will be my, my second year. However, I've worked in higher education for, I, I don't know, I think I'll be going on my ninth year. Um, I'm also the founder and artistic director of Pasión Professional Chorus based out of the Rio Grande Valley. I am also director of music at Sierra Vista United Methodist Church here in San Angelo. And I have just founded a new community chorus, the San Angelo Chorus, that will begin in August here as well. Dr. Posada, you sound busy. (laughs) (laughs) Too busy. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me today. Dr. Posada, I want to start, and I ask all of my guests this question. If you had to go back and identify a starting point for your educational journey, where would that be for you? Well, I'm so thankful that earlier this morning when I was doing my research, I heard this exact question, <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, what a difficult question. And so I was, I was fortunate to formulate some thoughts. Um, I think we begin learning the moment we're born. So I I think our education begins then, and and that's true today with my six-year-old son. I think every moment, every day is an opportunity to teach and educate, and I'm proud of having that um, opportunity to do so with him. Um, if If I'm thinking back to my formal education, for sure, college, going away from McAllen to Texas Tech, never being away from home was was a major experience and development for me. But a more specialized education, I would say my field with music and choir, then I'd have to look back to middle school and and I begin there at sixth grade. Um, But there are wrinkles of educations before then. At fifth grade, I was cut from my elementary choir. I wasn't good enough. And, And then I look back to maybe two years before that when I saw La Bamba, and Richie Valens, and I thought, man, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. So it kind of, it's hard to say at a definite moment, but I would say leading up to those middle school years, I started to figure out what I enjoyed doing. And that was, it was music and choir, but also athletics at the same time. So let me ask you, the wonderful stories, by the way, um, I remember seeing La Bamba and, and I had no interest in singing, but I thought it was a great movie and, and such a great story that I think, uh, you know, I certainly I, I had no knowledge of prior, right, who Richie Valens was. But let me ask you, you um, identify early on this passion for music. Um, and was it, you know, as, as a kid, we're always asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you see yourself doing something in music? Was that something that early on, like you said, fifth grade, you were cut from your choir. Um, but 
but did you still did did that deter you and was music something that you really wanted to pursue long term um i didn't really know i guess i i should have mentioned this a while ago speaking about my education and that moment it wasn't until my junior year of high school that i realized what i wanted to do which was be a choir director and along the lines of what I was saying about education and where it begins the moment you're born, I also want to add that the goal is to be a lifelong learner and continue uh-huh. learning. And, and I feel like I'm doing that. And, and some of our interests even change as, as we go along and you know, continue on our path. But um, I didn't quite know. I, I knew what I knew was that I you know, started playing T-ball at fifth grade, uh, five, five years old. My son's six. I played all sports, football, baseball, track. Um, I knew that my dad loved to sing the oldies. And whenever I'm saying, sharing the, this story, it's, I use that relatively because I don't want to offend anyone. But for me, as a, as a um, you know, pre-teen, I was hearing my dad sing these oldies and he sang with such passion. He was more of an artist, I could say. I, I'm not a, I can't draw and paint, but... Yeah. And he would sing, but I, I jokingly say this about him. Hopefully, when I'm when our paths meet again um, in heaven, he he doesn't hold it against me. But I said he had two notes, uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and but he loved singing, and I love those, you know, the Beatles and Elvis and you know Queen and CCR. Like I I, I loved what he loved, and that was yeah. to sing and. So then when I saw La Bamba, I thought, man, there, okay, that's my voice. And I want to, want to do this. And I, I, I'm sure I was offended when I, or hurt when I was cut, but then at the same time, it wasn't until I heard my voice had changed early. I was maybe fourth grade. It was lower than it is now. And, and then it wasn't until I heard a boy behind me singing. I thought, Oh, okay. That's what they want me to do with my voice. And okay. Then I started progressing on. So I didn't know that until, until my junior year. And I say that because at that year we, you know, socially you're, you want to be accepted and playing sports Memorial McKellen at that time, we had been horrible and we won the district championship. And so it's all sports and athletics and I want to go to this school. And, um, but then there was a day in choir. My, my director was Jack Bowers and he was a legend at that time. And, um, he wound up retiring at the end of that year, but, there was a moment when I'm sit, standing there in rehearsal and then I had this transcendent experience where I, I describe it as everything slowing down and like almost an out of body where I'm seeing this happen. And mm-hmm. I had, came to the realization of that's it. That's what I want to do. And um, so I didn't know before then. And even, even after that, after my first year of college and, my dad, I remember him dropping me off at the airport to fly back to Lubbock. I was kind of still unsure because the way I was raised, it was that it was a tough, you know, the old school way. And, and my dad was intense and my coaches and uh, I, w- I didn't know if he was kind of embarrassed that I was going into music. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget. He just said, what else? Why would I be? Why would I be disappointed? What else would I want you to do? And that kind of freed me up to, okay, really become who I wanted to be. How did, because I think what you just shared, right? A lot of students, especially I think, you know, if you're Latino and you grew up in a Latino household, right? You, you worry about 
what are my parents' expectations? Do my are my parents going to be okay with me pursuing this path? How did that How did that conversation happen? I mean, he's dropping you off at the, the, the airport. Did you ask him if he was okay with it? Was it just something that he brought up? How did that happen? I brought it up. I, I we were sitting there in Harlingen. I'll, I'll remember, and, and one of the terminals. There's a. I mean, I'm sure it's changed, but there was led right across the little pathway to a restaurant or something that was there. We were sitting there, and I I don't know. I, I now that I'm older, I consider myself an empath, and I can feel and just it was something that we never discuss. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of those conversations in the Latino community and your parents and you don't talk about certain things. And you, yeah, I just felt like I needed to ask him. Um, it was, again, I, I try to raise my son a little differently, but it was um, trying to something we didn't talk about. Um, I, I kind of lost, lost my train of thought. It was just something I knew I needed to ask. I, I, it, approval wasn't readily given. Mm. You know, that uh, affirmation wasn't one of those yeah. things that you were raised in that part. It was more like, you know, making fun of, hey, you know, what was, <laughs> hey, you know, and so it was, it was I, I guess I needed that from him to yeah. feel like I was on the right path and I could continue moving forward with his blessing. What, you know, because I'll often ask my guests for advice. And so I imagine, you know, a lot of young people, like you said, you, that affirmation, they don't necessarily get that affirmation, right? But what do you say to young people who are trying to find their way and are, are unsure of this path, but they're, they're passionate about it. They care about it, but they don't know how to engage their parents in that conversation, what advice might you give them? Wow. <laughs> I'll approach it both two ways. I, mm-hmm. I think I was asked this question recently. We had a performance and someone was working with youth and troubled youth and the prisons and maybe the church. And um, they asked me about my dream. What would I say about pursuing your dream? And I think it applies here. It's, First, don't be afraid to pursue your dream and it's scary. And even if you fail, you can say you've done it. You tried it, mm-hmm. you went for it. You'll never have that regret. And yeah. even for the last second, sometimes I'm wondering if it's going to happen, if, if I'm going to need to cancel something. And But I believe no matter what, because that's, it's, I believe and I'm invested so much in it that it's, that the universe is going to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so in this sense, having that conversation I've had encountered many students, particularly in my field, where they want passion as their music, but their parents tell them, you're not going to make enough money. You're, you've got to do this or go get this degree. And then if you wanted to do music, then you can. And I even had a family member. She won't readily admit to this. But right <laughs> before I left, they tried to take me out and convince me to do something else. Um, so I think there's no way to to there's no easy way to have that conversation yeah um and oftentimes the things we're afraid of you actually broach the subject you sit down and you pour your heart into it and you realize like in my situation there i didn't know how my dad would react i was so scared that he surprised me with his support and Mm -hmm. you know it it might not be the the response you it's not going to be as bad as you think hopefully and yeah you might find that 
on the other end, they're oblivious to how you're feeling. It's like marriage. I'm, uh, you know, learning as, as I go and you might not know, you might think, Oh gosh, they're going to feel this way. They're going to judge me. They're going to tell me this and that. And they have no idea that what you want is to hear their approval. And like, Oh my gosh, of course. I'm so sorry that, that I didn't say this or supportive. So I think it's worthwhile having it, trying that conversation, pour your heart into it. Um, because you never know how the other person is feeling or going to respond or what's going through their mind. You know, I love that because I think, yeah, you're right. A lot of times we, we hold in and we're afraid to broach that subject, right. For, for fear of rejection or just, and, and we make a lot of assumptions around that. So I really appreciate you saying that, you know, you, um, I want to go back a little bit. You said you attended Texas tech was college, was college always part of the plan for you growing up? Did you know you were going to go to college? Did your parents sort of encourage that in you? Or was it, was, was there ever any doubt that you would go on to college? Gosh, I don't, it's, it's difficult because there's a lot I learned kind of as I went. So I, I can't recall the conversation being had or, or, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I guess it was somewhere in the back of our minds. And then I think and maybe at some point my dad may have mentioned it, but it wasn't something that, as you know, our Latino community and particularly first generation students, I, I don't really feel it was either pushed nor discouraged. I think it was just a, a given, but how to get there wasn't something that I even knew what to do as far as applying for financial aid or how much I'd get into debt or what do you need to do dorm? Like I, I didn't have that kind of knowledge and support. And I wouldn't say it's not, it wasn't lack of support, but it was a, a being oblivious of it. You know, we yeah. had gone, I'm the first one. What do you, what do you do? What do you, who do you need to talk to? What? Um, so I think it was just kind of a given. It was another one of those unspoken things, right? Like we, it just happened. Uh, yeah. Grateful. And I also, I guess I could advocate for the educators, right? My choir director, I told them what I wanted to do and they pointed me in that right direction and helped me and, and all of that. But had it not been for that, I, I don't think I would have really known where to begin with that. The, um, I love that, that you said you're, you know, you told your choir director and they were able to point you in the right direction. I think again, right. Speaking up and, and in letting others know, especially those that maybe your teachers, your, your a mentor or something, what it is that you'd like to accomplish so that then they can maybe provide some guidance. I think that's so critical. A lot of times we don't necessarily tell kids that, um, again, I'm going to ask you for, for some advice, because I think, I think that's important is like you said, you know, for first gen students, it's all new. It's a new experience being in higher ed, being in college. (sighs) Yet you had the courage to go and ask your choir director, right. And, and what you wanted to do. And so they were able to guide you. You what, What do you get? What do you tell somebody, a young person who's maybe fearful of that or just doesn't know, like, who do I ask? Who do I talk to? You know, what, what advice might you give them? I would tell them to um, kind of not surround themselves, but, but gravitate towards a mentor that they can trust. Right. Um, mm. And I think that's 
what I try to do in, in any situation that I'm in or here at Angelo state, I, um, it's creating that environment where they feel like they can come talk to me and tell me, well, it, it starts with me. I'm going to make time. Let's come in talk, tell me, you know, and share, learn, let's learn about each other and tell me how I can help you achieve your dreams. And, and, you know, let me guide you there. You're home away. You're away from home. You don't have your family. I know what that's like. Um, I wish I, I know people have guided me throughout, even now at my age, right. Uh, that, that are there that can help me navigate those things. So find someone that you can trust. There's always a teacher that maybe will lend an ear that you can talk to. It's a coach. Maybe it doesn't even have to be at school. Maybe it's someone at church or it could be someone at your job or um, maybe your friend's parents. But I think uh, in our hearts, we know that, that there's probably someone we feel comfortable talking to. And I think it, it begins there. Um, start asking those questions. I was always an introvert. Maybe that helps as well. I, aside from when I'm, when I'm rehearsing or if it's coaching or if it's, mm -hmm. um, man, it's like electric, electric, putting yeah. me in a room with 20 people that I don't know. And man, I'm in the corner by myself, just like, okay, what, how much longer do I have to be here? <laughs> Uh, is it polite for me to leave? Yeah, you know, type yeah. of thing. So um, it's, yeah, take that step forward. And, and the sooner you can do that and ask for help, or even now, if I'm going to ask for Pasión and nonprofit for money, the sooner I can just get over myself and just go put myself out there, you start to see that certain doors will start opening up for you. That, that land of opportunity will, will open itself up for you. I love that. Uh, and, and I love that you, you hit on a couple of things, right? You talked about, right. If we don't ask for help one, we, we don't realize maybe the opportunities that we're, we're kind of not allowing ourselves to take part in, but also you said something that I think was really important and hopefully for, you know, the adults listening, um, the role that you played, right. That, that, you know, for your own students recognizing might be their first time away from home. It's a new environment. Maybe they're lost. They're scared. So reaching out to them and getting to know them, I think, um, I think is so powerful. And sometimes we forget, right. About maybe, maybe even our own journey and how critical having somebody like that was to, important to our success. So I, I appreciate that you do that for your students. That's awesome. Thank you go to Texas tech. You have that conversation with your dad. Yeah. You're good with music. He's good with music. You know, what's next? What was next for you at that point? Well, my journey took an unexpected turn. I was 19. And um, so I finished my first year of college. My dad went to pick me up. Uh, I, it, it should be noted that he didn't go drop me off. And, you know, many years later, I find out why, because I'm looking at my six year old son like, dude, I'm not ready for you to go to college. Like I can't. <laughs> I can't deal with that. And so my dad did not go because uh, I'm sure it was, it was difficult, um, but he goes to pick me up. And then July 4th, I remember I took him to the hospital and he was not feeling well. And by November he's gone. So um, it, it took an unexpected turn. I, I took the rest of that year off and then I went back. And um, for me, it was, a no brainer. Other people might say, Hey, you could have gone in this path or you could have gone this and my life could have been different, but I, yeah. I, I continued 
finish up there and I wanted to, to one of my regrets. And I know my dad did it on purpose was I didn't know he was sick as sick mm. as he was. I didn't know he was going to die or else I would have stayed home. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I'm sure he, he knew, but didn't want me to do that. So years later I was, you know, my home became his parents and my grandparents and my godmother. And, um, I was going to student teach and I, I requested. So then I started kind of like this. I was, I spoke up and here's what I want to do. And here's why, and here's why it's important. And it was important for me to student teach, not in Lubbock or any DFW area, but I want to go back home. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn from that, or at least have the opportunity to, to, change at least that year of destiny, which is I want to be close to my grandparents. I don't know how much longer they're going to be here. My godmother, can I go home and student teach? And I did. So it was, I student taught in McKellen and then I got my first middle school job and high school job in Brownsville. And and so that was the next step um, before the next couple, before I went off for my master's degree and such. You, um, you said earlier in the interview that you knew you wanted to be a choir director when you were a junior in high school, right? So while you're doing your student teaching, you're, and then getting your first teaching job, is that still at your for, at the forefront of your mind, right? You've got all of this, you know, you've been able to come back, you know, you know, there's um, this really love for wanting to be close to home, close to your grandparents, right? You'd, like you said, you don't know how long you're gonna have them, but at the same time, is that goal, that goal of becoming the choir director, was that still there? Well, I was, I was already a choir director. Um, oh, okay. So I student taught in choir, mm. excuse me, McKellen high school. And then I, my first job was middle school choir in Brownsville and then high school choir in Brownsville. So I was already living that life. Um, then I got, I obtained my first church music job and then the next step. So in that time, my grand, my grandfather, and my grandma passed away. And then, um, and then it was time for me to, to move forward. Um, I still, you know, grateful for the time I spent with my, my godmother that lived another, I don't know, 10 years or so, but yeah. But then it was time for me to get back on my journey. And it, it was when I was at tech, my choir director there, he also retired. Um, but while he was there, I said, okay, I'm going to get my master's here. I'm going to get my doctorate with him. I wanted, you know, yeah. do this. And then he retired. And then I'm like, Oh gosh, what am I going to do now? So I was waiting and waiting. And then I attended a music conference that's held every year to Texas music educators association in February and all music educators across Texas and beyond come to this. It's probably their biggest convention at the, um, the, I forgot Henry B something convention center there in, in Gonzalez, maybe. Yeah. And, Henry B. Gonzalez. Uh, right. And and then I watched this choir you know, Sam Houston state and the choir director, I looked, I mean, he was, they were awesome. And I saw that he studied with the same person that my director at tech studied with. Therefore I, I recognized that. So that became my next hour. I'm going to go study with him and, and continue on my journey. You know, I, I'm, I love all the stories that I hear right on the podcast, but I especially love yours because I think, you know, I, in all my years of teaching, a lot of my students, when I meet them, I'll, I'll, I want to know them. I want to know who they are. And, 
And I'll ask, um, you know, a lot of them will say that they wanted to leave, but they didn't leave because of family. And so, you know, I appreciate your story because, because your father didn't tell you because he, you know, wanted you to go away. Right. Didn't want that weighing on you probably, but then you still, right. You're still able to come home. You're still able to appreciate and spend time with your loved ones, never sacrificing your education never sacrificing the goals that you set for yourself when you were younger. And so still being able to see those through, um, you know, hopefully that, that inspires, you know, one of our listeners, right. That, that it is possible to, to still cultivate that, that closeness and that family relationship and still pursue, you know, your educational dreams and professional dreams. So thank you for that. I think that's awesome. You, you know, you said, you know, you wanted to get your master's and your doctorate with your choir director there at Texas Tech, but they retired. So you, you, you know, here you find yourself, um, you know, with this other opportunity to study there with, and, 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 but before that, did you always know you were going to get the master's? Was that something also that you wanted to do? Or is that something that, you know, because I mean, some people might say, well, you know, I, I was, I, I became a choir director and, and, you know, I'm doing high school choir and, and I'm good. Right. I, yeah. Why did you want to pursue further? There's this fire inside. <laughs> it, it goes back to, it goes back to, I think the way I was raised, which was, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a positive thing. It, yeah. It's both, but you don't know if you're good enough. You don't know. You don't. You don't know that. I don't know another way to put it. You're you're seeking that validation. You you hear that voice, and you just want to keep going. Um, and I I mean I I take pride in being from McAllen and coming back and giving back to my community and showing like you mentioned going away and then being able to come back and and share with everyone in the community. But I also, I go back, there's, I'm still not done. I'm still yeah. want to keep moving forward. I still want to get better and, and work on myself. And, and I think that applies to all areas of life. Um, and, and it's not to pass judgment. Anyone. I, I have plenty of friends that this is what they want to do and they stay and they're comfortable and they, you know, and, and they do a great job at that. But for me, probably not hearing that affirmation enough caused me to keep wanting more and to keep, you know, going on and, and not letting those uh, obstacles in our lives um, hold us back. You, uh, and it certainly, certainly sounds like it's also consistent with what you said early on, right? You did this idea that we're lifelong learners. Yeah. You're right. Um, and so that, that, you continue to grow and continue to learn. And, and yeah, I absolutely, I, I definitely, definitely agree. So I can say, Dr. Mm-hmm. we haven't touched on this, but I think it's important. I'm not a hero or a martyr or anything like that, but leaving the Valley, leaving the RGV and working your way up outside of there. I had a professor they came from UT Pan Am. There was a Texas Tech that the first day I showed up for my doctorate, it just was an uh, 
I think it was a theater class and I wound up taking a, a marketing the arts for what I knew I wanted to become as of now. Um, she said, you're not supposed to be here. And I kind of laughed, right? But she was right. And that's the perspective people have of us Latinos coming from the Valley. And sometimes that's the perspective we have of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's important to gain those life experiences. I'll always say it's important to get away, go see the world. You want to come back, come back. Um, but Latinos, you know, being successful and, and, and continuing on moving forward outside of the Valley in a world where it's becoming, it's been difficult. I can tell you 1997 Lubbock, Texas was not what Lubbock is now. Um, as far as the diversity and the, the you know, cosmopolitan um, style of, you know, place or town it is. But particularly now where there's so much hatred and vitriol to be able to come out, get out of that comfort zone, go make, make something of yourself, show that, man, we have so much to offer, even from being from a border town so much to offer the world um, that no one should look down on us. And, and, you know, we should always fight for that equal opportunity as many others are fighting for um, is important to, to, to be said and to, to share with anyone listening. Um, like I said, I'm not a hero or anything like that, but it was important to me to go out there oftentimes being the only Hispanic in a, in a certain environment. Yeah. And in some cases, scary environments, um, dangerous environments, but to be able to make your mark in this world um, as a Hispanic was, was important to me and continues to be. What do you tell a parent who's afraid of letting their child go out into the world to explore? Because yeah. I, I think you've, you just made a great case for, right? What, what, what are the benefits? And right. I think you made an outstanding case. So right. what do you tell a parent? I'm going to be that parent, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my son, I don't, dude, like stay with me. I don't, but I know it's bit, I know it's going to be bittersweet. And I know that they need, my goal for my son is, and my students, I tell them this as well, you know, that because I, I try to treat them as, as I would him. Yeah. Be better than me. Be better than me. You can be a better man, be a better mm -hmm. uh, person, human being than me. Get out there. I, I would say you have to let them go try it out. I mean, be, mm -hmm. as scary as it is, it's probably scarier for the parent, right? Yeah. We don't want anything to happen to our child. Um, but let them go out and experience that and, and um, figure their way out and, and, um, find who they're meant to be. And that might not be what we have in mind for them, but yeah. ultimately we want them to be happy. We want them to have those life experiences. And um, I want them to be better than me. So please, the opportunities that I didn't seize the um, go find them and, and make the most of them. I love that. I love that. So take us to, you know, after you were, you've earned your doctorate. What was next for you? Did you know you wanted to be in higher ed? Was it, or did you have other ideas about where you wanted to go next? Well, I think when I had that first director at tech, I, I said, that's what I want to do, teach college. I mean, I didn't, here's how 
sheltered or, or I was, I didn't know there was a doctorate in music. I didn't know there was a doctor besides a medical doctor. Right. So yeah. that, was, that was different. I didn't know that. Um, so then going to get, going to work on my doctorate and I'll always share this advice with my colleagues. Like, should I get it? Should I not? What's your ultimate goal? If you want to teach college, then yes. Mm-hmm. If you just, you know, want to get, I would say, no, don't. Because my experience, you know, I, I always appreciate when people are honest that getting getting the doctorate, getting married, having children, <laughs> it's not all the beautiful photos you get on the Insta- on Instagram. Yeah. So it's not that. It's man, it's hard. And um there's tears and every day I wanted to give up and those types of, of uh things that you encounter. So yeah, um having gone through it and then and then obtaining i didn't quite finish i was abd or all but dissertation and then i i um taught middle school for a year and then i got my first higher education job at texas a and university so i think once you're at that level and you're about to finish and you finish then it's okay this is this is it this is what my life's going to be moving forward um at least for me there are some that have the doctorate that teach middle school and high school and, and are happy and 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 I salute them for me. It's okay. This is why I went to, this is why I, you know, got extra gray hair and lost all that weight and was broken. <laughs> and because this was my ultimate goal and dream. And now I'm going to have the opportunity to do that. And, and it's also important for, for people to note that once you have that doctorate, there is no guarantee that you're going to get a job yeah. uh, in higher ed and, or at the level that you want to, you still, it's almost like starting over. Um, becoming that graduate assistant and, and working your way back up. So that, yeah. that process never ends. I appreciate the reality, right? <laughs> because I think we don't get, get, get enough of that. Um, yeah. And I would absolutely agree. You know, I, every once in a while, I'll get students that are finishing up with their undergrad and will come back and ask me about a master's or a doctorate. And I'll say, well, let <laughs> tell you let's let's look at let's take a, an honest right look at, at that experience and let's talk about your ultimate goal so i appreciate that you um i'll, I'll say this if i may interject mm-hmm. uh, my choir director in high school that inspired me to to be a choir director and he had received his master's at tech when i had asked about that this is also a great for me a great piece of advice he said get your get your undergraduate Go out and teach, gain some experience mm-hmm. there, that way. When you go to your master's and your doctorate, you know, the things that you want to focus on and get better and improve upon yeah. and that way you get the most, you maximize that education, that higher education, those extra degrees. I love that. That's great advice. Um, so tell us about that because you made a really great point in saying that you earn your, your doctorate. And even that, that's not a guarantee. And I, I always, you know, whenever, um, just before I left the university, I, I did, a one final kind of presentation of parents. And I always tell them, look at just because your sons and daughters earn a degree doesn't mean that that job's going to be waiting for them. Right. So what was that experience like for you? You finish up with your doctorate and what was next for you? It's, it's extremely difficult. There's more people in my field coming out with a doctorate, a DMA doctorate of musical arts, than there are jobs. And every year you might get 
I don't know, five to 10 that come open. Right. And then, and then you see in the job description that, uh, they're looking for someone now I'll, I'll try to not run off on this tangent, but someone with ex- experience, but then how do you get the experience if they won't offer you a job and an opportunity? Right. Yeah. And then now with the economy and, um, coming out of the pandemic now that assistant professor job becomes, well, we want you to do this, 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 and it's a litany of, of items. So, um, even back then, this was 2012. I can't tell you how many jobs I applied for like a hundred, nothing. And, and then I can update it as recently. So it was Texas tech and then Tyler junior college, then one year at University of North Carolina, Charlotte, and now at Angelo State. So going through those, those, that process, mm-hmm. as well as my wife, who also has a doctor of musical arts, and then one of my dearest friends that has a doctor from Michigan, and uh, my wife's from University of North Texas. And, and going through the process as recently as last year for me and watch, watching them even throughout this year, it's extremely difficult and you have to um, apply to as many as possible. You then you have to learn to diversify what it is you're doing, acquire other skills. Um, It's highly more complex than just, I'm done. Give me a job at my, at my dream job. And, and I even remember my, my mentor, Alan Hightower, when I received my master's, he's, probably remain one of my best friends to this day. And and I give him all the credit in the world. He's now at university of North Texas told me, Hey, when you finish your doctorate, there's, you might want to take a high school job because it's going to be better than some of the, the, the the college jobs that they're going to be offered to you. And I, I didn't listen. listen, Right. And, but it, it is true. It's, there's no guarantee. Um, it opens the door for you. They might now look at your application as it's, you know, the minimum requirement that yeah. so you at least get bypassed that, but, but then it's, it's, um, way more competitive beyond that. Again, um, thank you for, for your truth. <laughs> I appreciate that. Sure. You, um, you're at Angelo state now. And when we started the interview, you know, you listed everything, all of the activities that you do. Now, for our listeners out there that don't know where Angelo State is, where is Angelo State located, Dr. Posada? That is a fair question, you know, and that's <laughs> particularly when I'm recruiting students, where is it? Well, it's, it's six hours, I'd say, northwest of the valley. Um, it's if I was going to Lubbock, it'd be on the way to Lubbock. Um, it's west of Dallas, probably about four hours. Um, it's about west of Austin, northwest. Um, also, San Antonio. San Antonio is actually closer. It's about three and a half hours, um, which is great. Um, so about six hours, six and a half hours northwest uh, on its way to, to Lubbock. And then I would say, even today, I had a recruit come in today to speak to me. Um, it's it's like Lubbock in the 1970s, I would say. Um, it's it's a smaller town. It's it's dry. It's uh, you know it's there, but it's it's a for my field a highly supportive artistic community. That's good. 
It's good, right? And, and I, I think as we all know, right, educationally, professionally, right, having that community that supports the work that we're doing is is valuable, right? Right. Yeah, and, and then I would even say geographically, if I had a compass and I drew a line straight across, I'm like, hey, if you're going to wind up drawing driving five hours, six hours, you can go to Houston, you can go to Sam Houston State, you can go to Austin. I said, here we are, you know, you don't have to go as far as Dallas, <laughs> you know, so yeah. that, that kind of recruiting pitch. We don't have choir on Friday. So you, if you want to see your family, you could drive, you know, you'd be there, leave in the morning and be there by the afternoon, you know, it's great. Um, <laughs> but definitely, definitely a supportive community, also a supportive administration here at Angelo State. Mm-hmm. My, my our department chair, my colleagues, it's everyone, it's a smaller school. So everyone's kind of invested. You, you see the same students, you have more one-on-one attention. Um, you can directly impact lives that way. You have access to these professors versus unfortunately in some other situations, you might be just another number. Yeah. So I think all of those things are important uh, in this community. I love that. Now yeah, that's good to know. You, um, you know, as, uh, going back, I mentioned all of the things that you said you're doing now. One, one that jumped out and really, um, this is how I came to know of you, was with uh, the work that you're doing with Passion. So you're living in Angelo State or out there, right? But you're still doing work that's having an impact locally. Right. Why? Why is that important to you? I know throughout the the podcast, we were speaking about going away and then coming back and um, having gone through the educational system and having family and, and, and going out learning and coming back and sharing and giving back and trying to, to help those in the community. It happened. I found the Passion technically in 2016, but our first concert was 2017 I had finished my third year at A&M for all the wonderful experience I had that last year we sang at Carnegie hall. Uh, we wow. gone to Germany, sang in Germany and Canada. And, but my son was born that year as well. And I felt I hadn't spent enough time with him as I wanted to. And that was important to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I kept my community choir job. That was a Brazos Valley Corral. And then I kept my church job, um, St. Joseph Catholic church. And I was able to have the flexibility to travel every other week to see my son who still lives in McKellen. But I, I was inspired. I went to Texas Choral Directors Association, which happens every summer. That's similar to the other convention I mentioned, but this one's in the summertime and specialized for choir. And Placion actually was invited to perform last summer at this convention in San Antonio at the Lila Caco Theater. So, um, I reached out to my friends, the, my, those that I'd met throughout the course of my career, whether it was my first year of teaching or a church job or a Texas Tech working in my doctor or my master's. And I said, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you, is this possible? And they said, yeah. So then I started. I had no idea about articles of incorporation and the IRS and tax exempt and fundraising. And I just wanted, we, I just wanted to sing. I wanted to conduct my friends and make music. And I wanted to bring that to the Valley because you go the Valley, particularly McKellen, everyone wants to become more like a a Dallas or Austin or Houston and have those offerings. And, and you see it just driving down the road and all the businesses and restaurants and, and 
the performing arts and I mean, and it's, it's incredible, but there's nothing like this in the Valley. And, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to create something that was on par with those, those, uh, professional ensembles in those major cities. So I started with that. And then we went a step further. I wanted to give back to the community philanthropically. So the partnerships early on with Mujeres Unidas and Estela de Anda and um, Bebo's Angels, who works with parents with autistic children. And then even as recently as this, this year with the connections I've made in the Valley, there was a memorial for the victims, the souls of Ovalde there in McKellen, and they called us. And I was already working on this project, the Mozart Requiem, which is a mass for the dead. And I had no idea that 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 path would take me to, for me, an opportunity. I felt compelled to honor them in a way, not only musically, well, particularly (laughs) musically, but could I be a part of this memorial service where we're helping heal I'm, I, I am literally thinking of these souls and, and using my, what I was blessed with this gift of music. So can I give back? Can we participate in that? Can we find ways? Um, so for me, it, it, it's the highest artistic product, but can I give back to my community? Not only through my gift, what I learned, the, the knowledge, the experience, but also philanthropically, can we reach out? Can we sing at for art, for music therapy? Um, can we go and sing for the open house at, at uh, Mujeres Unidas? Can we go and, you know, where there's already a, a Santa Claus there and we're, we're singing Christmas carols for these children. Like, can we do that for them? Yeah. And that was, that was important for me to do as well. You know, um, you physically, right. Your employment is in San Angelo state. Um, but you know, it sounds like your heart, everything is is here, is rooted in the valley. And right. so congratulations. Not I mean, on all of your successes, on everything that you've done, but really congratulations on your ability to remain so grounded, I think, in community and in your home. Because I think some for some of us, you know, we have these lofty goals or aspirations, but they you know, it's, it's easy for them to take us, to pull us away from, from our community and, and from where we're from. And, and so to hear you say, you know, you're, you're doing this work, you're living away, right? Six and a half hours, but you're still doing work. That's so important to the community and filling a, a clearly a, a necessity. Right. And so just congratulations. That's, that's just awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Dr. Posada, you know, I want to be mindful of our time. Um, so before we leave, what advice, any, any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners, right? I, and, I, and, and thank you already because you've already shared a, a lot of great advice for, for students, for parents. But if, if there was one other piece of advice that before we left, you wanted to leave with our listeners, what would that advice be? I think I'd I'd reiterate to not be afraid of, it sounds cliche, but don't be afraid to follow your dreams. And and I'll share, um, the other thing I'll say, I I don't want to forget, so I'm just going to say, all anybody can say is no, and then you can move on, right? So the first concert we performed that 2017 um, with Pasión, 
I had just seen, watched the movie La La Land and um, she puts on this concert that she followed her heart, created the script and everything and put it on. And there was like five people there. And in her eyes, it was um, a failure. And the, the other gentleman, Ryan Gosling was like, no, I mean, he, he was really pumping her up. And, and I thought, it's not a failure. And, and so I was worried, right? Here's Pasión, our first concert. We haven't even developed the awareness yet of a choir or the need. Yeah. If no one shows up. Well, but I still followed my dream and I made it happen. I, all these things had to occur for us to get to that moment. And yeah. for me, it was no matter what happens. And if you're, if you're spiritual or not, but where two or three are gathered in my name, God is there. There's that spiritual presence and there's something to be said for that. So don't be afraid. As I mentioned, there's been times when even if it's financially a week away, my wife's telling me, no, you need like, no, it's canceled. I'm like, no, it's going to happen. I know it. I know it. Um, Don't be afraid to follow your dream. If you fail, it's okay. You get back up move on to the next thing. And then don't be afraid of no. It's the same thing of, I'm just going to throw it out there in the mm-hmm. universe. I'm going to ask. And all they can tell me is no. Right? And I can move on and, and go on to somebody else and not take it personally and, and just continue on my journey. So, but the, but the upside to that is what if they say yes, Yeah. then man, a land of opportunity, right. Then you can, you know, collaborate and, and work, um, team up for those things. So I think those just don't let fear get in the way. And there's, I wish I would have brought with me. There's a a a Shakespearean quote about how fear is a traitor because it keeps us from the good that we might often be able to achieve. And, and I think that uh, fear permeates both of those examples. I just gave that. Just don't let it get in your way and just go for it. And, um, I wouldn't be where I am today if I, if I would have let fear gotten in the way of that. Dr. Posada, I can't think of a better way to end this interview. I think that's powerful advice. And and I know uh, I appreciate it. And I know our listeners will appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you again for your time. Thank you for your story. Um, This concludes another episode, the way to college podcast. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.